that's not with that, that's later. So, Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year. Uh, thank you very much, that's really wonderful. Well, this morning, um, I'm going to be speaking from uh, Galatians 6, so you're welcome to get your Bibles up, open there. And then I'm going to share some things from my heart, and then say a little bit about the fast. So, um, before I do that, um, I just want to say that um, in my prayer time this morning, I said, Lord, you know, what do you want to do? And he, I felt, was saying, brought me some words of knowledge about certain things, uh, particularly to do with healing. And I want to say that at the end of the service, if you would like to come forward for prayer, you're very welcome. But these were things that came up when I was praying, that there may be someone here with a knee problem, all right, teeth. <laughs> if you've got problems with teeth, then uh, come forward for prayer. Pain with your hip, that was another thing. And then fear of the world. I'm not really sure what that means, but let's be honest, there's so much doom in the in, and gloom in the world, it's quite easy. Perhaps somebody, perhaps more than one person could be in that place. And then I felt there was a married couple that was holding on to anger. Um, and the last one was pain in the back. So those are things that if you felt, oh, actually, that's me, then at the end of the uh, morning service, we can uh, go through that and pray for you. Why am I a little nervous this morning? I don't know. What's going on? Let me pray. Father, um, I love you, Lord, and you know me better than you know I know myself. But Lord, I want to pray that what we you bring this morning through me will encourage us and strengthen us as your church in Jesus name. Amen. So turn with me if you will to uh, Galatians chapter 6. Oh Natasha. It's <laughs> all right. Oh dear. And we're reading from verse 6 and it says this, let him who taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will, also, will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore... As we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. So, you know, probably the worst enemy of enthusiasm is time. Human beings, we have a remarkable and sad capacity for getting tired with wonderful things. And perhaps at Christmas is one of those. Have you found Christmas seems to start about August now? <laughs> You know, what is going on? I mean, the, the decorations were up and uh, in the shops and in the garden centres. Uh, but it's when you start hearing the carols and thinking that it's like that being sold, it, it does something, doesn't it? And um, it stirs you up. And it's like when you go on holiday. You know, that first day on holiday, the coast is bright and the sunset, sunshine is, sunset is amazing. It's breathtaking. So much so you want to sing out. Well, I do. <laughs> but by the end of the holiday, you hardly notice the sunset. Holiday makers get tired of sunsets. Millionaires get tired of money. Kids get tired of toys. And Christians 
we can get tired of doing good. And the Bible says, do not grow weary in doing good. And that is our line for this year. Do not grow weary in doing good. All right, if we hang on to that for this year. You know, the first um, and ex exciting time when you get to do something in the church, you do the Sunday class, Sunday school class, and you are just excited about it. But you know, now people are growing weary of doing good. The thrill has gone. At first you felt clean and strong in the Holy Spirit as you helped by serving coffee, by leading a small group, starting to read the Bible. But now you've grown weary in doing good. The inner power of the joy has seeped away and it's a chore and you've lost heart. You know, Galatians 6 says, let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And I don't mean, of course, that, that you can never stop one job and start another. And if you ask what the doing good is um, that we must not tire of, well, probably, I would say, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22 is the best answer. Don't grow weary in being patient. Don't grow weary in being kind and good and faithful and gentle and self-controlled. Don't grow weary of showing your peace and joy in all kinds of acts of love to your neighbours and to your work colleagues and to your family. In short, don't lose heart in giving yourself through love. Because if you do, the works of the flesh, the Bible tells us, take over. And Paul says in uh, chapter 521, those who do such things shall not inherit the kingdom. Or as Paul says in uh, chapter 6, verse 8 here, if you stop sowing to the Spirit and sow to your own flesh, you will not reap eternal life, but corruption. Now, I know this is quite controversial, but let it sink in for a moment. What is at stake here in this text is eternal life. Not merely sanctification, but it's also final salvation. Whether you go to heaven or whether you go to hell depends in some way on whether you grow weary in doing good or not. It's staying faithful. The text is addressed to the church. Note how the, the thought moves from uh, verse 8 to verse 9 when it says, He who sows to his own flesh will from his flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not, therefore, grow weary in doing good, but in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You will reap eternal life if you sow to the Spirit. That is, if you don't grow weary in doing good. Now, this text is written to help bring the saints in Galatia to final salvation and in eternal life. And therefore, a sermon from this text to the saints here at Chase should also aim to help bring us to that final salvation place of eternal life. Now, you may not know Jesus. I don't know. You've, um, I know there's some visitors here this morning, and you may be online and say, saying, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? Well, you know, today you can make that choice if you want to, to follow Christ. It says in the Bible that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And you see, when we give our lives to Jesus, because it says 
all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And his gift is from um, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave what? He gave his only son that you could have eternal life. And you can have that when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. So whether it's here in the room or online today, if you want to accept Jesus, you can have him today. He can live with you. He can be the best friend you will ever have. You know, we think that uh, we have great friends here, but I tell you, Jesus promises never to leave you, never to forsake you. He's never going to let you down. No matter what you're going through, he's with you. My goal in life is to be faithful preacher of God's word for the good of his people and for the glory of his name. I don't see how I could be faithful to the text and not tell you that if you grow weary in doing good and lose heart, um, you will not reap eternal life. It says in Romans 8.13, if you forsake the spirit and rely on the flesh, you will die. Reap corruption. And these are strong words of Paul. And you see, that's what's at stake here. Now, let's follow um, Paul's thoughts as we develop beginnings in verse 6. Um, actually, back in verse 2, he says, bear one another's burdens. And here in verse 6, it seems to give another example of bearing, burden bearing. Well, it's hard to say. Namely, the financial burden of Christian teachers. Let him who taught the word share all good things with him who teaches. Now, evidently, there was some sort of issue in the Galatia church. We don't know what they were saying, but we do know that of all burdens Paul could have uh, mentioned, he chose to mention the material burden of those who teach God's word. You see, he'd learned the principle from Jesus. When Jesus sent out the 70 to preach, he told them not to take their own food because the labourer deserves his wages. Paul picks this up in 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honour, especially those who labour in preaching and teaching. For the scripture says, you shall not muzzle an ox and when, it is, when it is treading out the grain, and the labourer deserves his wages. Probably the closest parallel to Galatians 6.6 6 is 1 Corinthians 9 verse 11, where Paul says, if we have sown spiritual good among you, is it too much if we reap your material benefits? So you see, this is all about the ministry and the word of, uh, ministry of the word and the giving. And I see three uh, impl uh, implications of what uh, Galatians 6, 6 is saying. And I just want to mention them to you briefly. Firstly, teaching the word is essential for the church. We will not know the Lord as we should if we go without sound teaching. Worship will become shallow. Affections will become frothy. And obedience will languish where the whole counsel of God is not taught. And Paul considered it essential. Secondly, those who carry the main responsibility of teaching need freedom to study and meditate and pray. You know, finding the meaning of biblical text, um, discovering how the meanings fit with the totality of revelation and seeing its relationship to contemporary life week in and week out is a glorious calling but it takes much time and effort 
And one of the things that makes me happy here about this at Chase is that we are spreading the load of teaching. Some years ago, when I was um, saying I want to keep bringing young leaders to preach, uh, I was getting slightly criticised because, you know, we, we want to see them more mature. I said, but we've got to bring in the new teachers. And I don't know about you, but the last few weeks doing the um, Beatitudes, I thought it was been great. We've seen guys, you know, men and women really preaching out from this. And we're in a really privileged situation to see as many good preachers and teachers within the church. And I thank God for you supporting us as leaders um, through this, because I think we are raising up good teachers and preachers and uh, preaching the ministry. Now, thirdly, when you give of your money to support the church, you're fulfilling the law of Christ, according to verse 2, helping bear the teacher's burden. And you're not growing weary in doing good, according to verse 9, but instead laying hold on eternal life. Paul says in verse 9 and 10 that we should not grow weary in doing good and that we should do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. He has in mind here at least the use of money to support those who teach us the word of God. And verse 7 comes in now to reinforce the command of verse 6. Do not be deceived, it says. God is not mocked, for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Now, evidently the people who didn't want to share their goods with the teachers of the church had fallen prey to, well, some sort of deception and in were effect mocking God by their actions. Maybe they were saying, for freedom Christ has set us free. You people that uh, deny yourselves and good, th uh, good things and pay to hear the word of God, you're acting like Old Testament legalists. So in the name of freedom, they had begun to indulge their flesh, which is contrary to the warning of uh, chapter 5, 13. And even worse, they were treating the word of God with contempt. Now in 2 Chronicles 36, 15 and 16, I found these verses, it says, God is mocked when his messengers are treated with scorn. So we need to be careful about this, don't we? But the text says here, God is not mocked. What does that mean? Well, it means the same thing as a good father that says to his child, um, I'll not be spoken to in that tone of voice. Ever done that? <laughs> that is you uh, deeply regret using that tone of voice. Or, or Paul uh, puts it as, you will reap what you sow. God is not mocked. And it means if you treat his word with scorn by not supporting the ministry of the word, you will deeply regret it. And don't be deceived, he says. And there is always a time lapse between sowing and reaping. You may be able to deceive yourself for a while that sowing and, uh, of selfishness is really going to yield more joy and sowing sacrifice for the sake of God's word. But that's wrong. God is not mocked. Your disregard for his word and your use for his trust fund, trust fund for personal indulgence will come back on your head. Where have you been, said Elisha to Gehazi, his servant. Have you not run after Naaman for money? Are you not more greedy to line your pockets with gold than magnify the God of Israel? Behold, the leprosy of Naaman shall cleave to you and your descendants forever. Pretty strong words for Naaman, wasn't it? God is not mocked. 
It says, your greed has come upon your own head. That's from 2 Kings. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Where is your husband, Sapphira, says Peter? Did you really sell the land for so much? Why have you despised the ministry of the word, plotted your own gain, and conspired to to deceive the Lord? God is not mocked. The feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they are carrying you out next. Your greed has come upon you and upon your own head. Whatever a woman sows, that will she also reap. And so Paul is saying in verse 6 and 7, we honour God and his word when we take money that we might have put to our own comforts, our security, or even our prestige, and give it to the support of the ministry, the word. But if we are deceived and think that more happiness comes from spending that money on our private pleasures, then we mock God and our greed will come back crashing down because we reap what we sow. Now, don't get me wrong, there are things that we need and God wants us to enjoy the life that we have, so it doesn't need to be, need to be working with a poverty mentality. Uh, Crumbs Ulez came along recently and um, for some of us, we had to get a new car. <laughs> I liked my old car and I wanted it for at least another three or four years. Right? But you know, th- th- what I'm saying here is that God doesn't want you to go without, but sometimes we need to support the ministry um, with more determination. Verse 8 finally makes clear that uh, what is really at stake gives us hope. For he who saw his own flesh, sorry, he who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. You see, what is at stake in your attitude to the teaching of God's word and the use of our goods is eternal life. I know that for some that sounds like a, a return to Salvation by works, which Paul has totally demolished in this letter, but it isn't. John Piper says, works are the attitudes and actions of a heart that looks to itself for the achievement of virtue and contentment, which expects to be credited for its achievement. Nobody can save himself by such works. But love is not the work of the flesh. It is the fruit of the Spirit. We're not teaching salvation by works when we say that in order to enter final salvation, you must bear the fruit of the Spirit. We're saying, as what Paul says in Romans 8.14, all who are led by the Spirit, sorry, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You know, genuine conversion to Christ is not a mere human act of calling Christ our Saviour. Remember in Matthew 7, 21, 22, it says, Many will say in my name, uh, say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, but I, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you. Genuine conversion is a divine act by which a spirit of sonship is made to dwell in our hearts. That's uh, Romans eight fifteen and Galatians 4, 6. Giving us a hatred to sin. Do you hate sin? a hatred to sin and a love to righteousness and a confidence in the grace of Christ. We are converted when we hear the gospel and are moved to leave our sin and put our faith in Christ for forgiveness and begin to walk by faith in his promise and his power. There are attitudes toward money and 
towards the teaching of God's word, which cannot co continue to coexist with true saving faith and the all-sufficiency of Christ. That's why Paul can say that even though salvation is by grace through faith, yet there are attitudes and actions which can destroy you. The hope of verse 8 is that eternal life can be enjoyed simply by sowing to the Spirit. He who sows to the Spirit will, from the Spirit, reap eternal life. What does this mean? Well, I think it means that the Spirit is the field in which you work and which you hope will produce your harvest. If you look to your own flesh, you produce the harvest of fulfillment, and you want that, you will get corruption. But if you look to the Spirit, you will get life. You know, do you get up in the morning uh, feeling a need for the power of the Spirit and seek that filling in the Word, the Word of God, the Bible, and prayer? Or when you get up, do you feel like, well, actually, look, there's, there's, there's not much time this morning and uh, I don't really need that fullness. And besides, it's a pretty normal day and I'll pray on the stairs as I go out. And when you get that monthly pay, paycheck, do you look at, the uh, at it and in the spirit and how you could turn that money into the best advantage for the kingdom of God? Or do you invest it in the field of flesh for your own private use? Sowing to the Spirit means recognising that the Spirit aims to produce some luscious fruit for the glory of God and dropping the seed of your resources in there. One of the, the places where the Spirit has promised to yield 30, 60 and 100 fold is in the teaching of God's Word. You know, God has a due season for all his seeds that you plant. Good seeds as well as bad seeds. God has a timetable for every seed we plant. His timetable is not, unfortunately, always our timetable. I don't know if you've found that. Sometimes the due season means a quick return. Sometimes it means a process of slow return. Maybe even takes years or even a lifetime. But we can count on three things. Firstly, God will cause a harvest to come from our seeds that are sown. Second, God is never early and never late. He's always on time and has our best interests at heart. And thirdly, our harvest will have the same nature as our seed sown. Good seed brings good harvests. Bad seed brings bad harvests. Therefore, therefore, sowing to the Spirit means supporting the church in whatever ways we can. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap eternal life if we do not faint. Now we're in a season of change. I don't know if you've noticed it, but this last year particularly, there's so much going on. You know, um, it's not just battles here and there, there's wars, aren't there? Wars in the Ukraine, wars in the Middle East, Israel and Hamas. We need to pray for the peace of God, particularly for the Middle East. God asks us to do that in the Word. But it's not surprising that I've had people, you know, ring me up and actually say, you know, aren't you worried? And I go, well, I am a bit concerned. <coughs> but our faith is in Jesus. His promises are true. This is the truth. This is the manual for living. <coughs> I've been asking myself, where is faith at work in my life? 
where's faith at work in your life? And I want to just share some things. About four years ago, I started praying for those things that were on my heart. And those, some of those things God placed in there, one of them particularly was the whole idea that I said, Lord, forgive me if this find, find this offensive, but it's not intended. I said, Lord, we're pretty much a middle-class church, all right? And I want to I wanna help those that are in need. Can we do it? And uh, Maria's, um, Helen's daughter, helped that lady on the school gate with some food. And so the process of the pantry started. And now we're in that place where, we're, where people come along and receive. And it's our hearts that are meeting that need. Your giving, your generosity. And I want to say thank you for that. Then I said to the Lord, look, we need someone who can come and coordinate the worship and bring on the next generation of worship leaders who has a vision to take worship out onto the street. And God brought Pete. <laughs> now you know why. <laughs> and, but you know, it's heart. Isn't it great we're seeing these young guys leading worship? We have to keep thinking of the next generation and bringing them on. As we do in the teaching and preaching, we do in the worship too. And, you know, Pete had a heart to take worship out onto the green. And, you know, bless Sue, she contacted the council to make sure that everything was right. And they've given us the green light. And as you know, these last well, nearly 18 months or so, we've been from time to time getting out on the green. And some of you are here today as a result of that. Praise the Lord. You know, I said, Lord, we um, need someone to meet our local community. And through um, Simon Pinchbeck, I met a guy called Rob Santa a few years ago, you know. And now for the last two years, we've been meeting the community. But, you know, there was a question I was asking at that, that time was, who is our community? Who is it? And what we've done is we found that out in these last two years. We've started knocking on the doors. And, you know, uh, Andy and I were talking about last, uh, last year's fast, yes, and saying how some... Sometimes it comes near the end of the year. You know, still, the fast that took place in January was still effective right to the end of the year, wasn't it? And uh, Anna, actually, come in, you can share here. Maria. Is it, can you put this on? I think it's muted. Share the story of the... Me? Yeah, yeah, go on. Oh, okay. So um, I started joining um, the door team yeah, okay. uh, in September because kids are at school now. So um, Monday mornings we go and we knock on doors in the community and they open the door. Um, I'll give you an example of that. I'm Anna, this is Martin. We're here caring for our community today. How can we pray for you? And that's it. That's the opening line. Um, and then from there, you just talk, meet needs, whatever. If they say, oh, no, we're fine, you go, great, have a nice day, you move on. Because we're looking for the, the person of peace is what Rob brings a teaching from um, when Jesus sends out two by two, the 70, and it says about the house of peace, you know, and if it's not house of peace, you just move on. Um, anyway, so I think it was like my, maybe my second time or something going out, and I was actually with, a, a, a visitor was coming that day, she was brand new, and so the two of us went to the door, it was only my second week, she was, it was her first week, and, and she'd not really had much of the teaching or anything, and anyway, we knocked on this door, and then um, this lady answered, um, and she ha was holding a little toddler, and she was really, really friendly, and I did the opening line, and we chatted, she said, oh, I'm pregnant with my second, and I'm really sick, and so it'd be good for you to pray for that. Um, anyway, and then 
one of the lines that, that we can say to people, a helpful one is, can I share with you how I came near to God? Or we'll say, are you near or far from God? Can I show you how I came near to God? And she said, yes. Um, and so I got out my little post-it note and I did the little three circles diagram, which explains the gospel of how you can come near to God. Um, and at the end of it, you say, is there anything stopping you today from turning and believing on Jesus, making him king of your life, um, so you can pursue and recover God's plan for your life? And she was like, no, nothing's stopping me. So I was like, great. I was thinking, we haven't done this next bit in the training. I was like, great. Um, I was like, well, let's, well, we, we did touch on it. And um, I was like, okay, well, um, is it right if I, if I pray with you? Do you want to say your own prayer or do you want to repeat after me? You know, you just kind of like, you just go with it. Um, and so we prayed a prayer together and she had her toddler in her arms as well and kind of involved him. Um, and like, she got saved. And it was really funny because the person I was with, um, she said to me, because she'd heard a quick teaching. We went out on the street and that was the first door that we knocked on. And she was like, oh, and I was like, that doesn't happen every time. <laughs> so yeah, but it was amazing. <laughs> That's wonderful, you know. I just wanted Anna to share, because this, this has happened in the last um, couple of months, really, hasn't it? And Kim, you've had one as well, haven't you? And uh, we'll get you to share that another time, a story. But, you know, God is doing things, and we're stepping out of faith to be faithful as we can. And I also continue to pray about, Lord, we need a children's worker. Pete was overseeing the children's work, and he, not his forte, bless him, but he did it. He admitted it, you know. But, you know, we've been looking for someone, isn't it, that would fill the, the, the feet of Mick and Mary and what they've done over the years. And we haven't got time to do it, share it now, but the story of, of Kev and Rachel coming here is amazing in itself. Um, and, you know, 20 years ago, um, Kev used to work with Pathway uh, under Mick. You know, so he knows his heart. Isn't that amazing? You know, and God has brought someone here who's not only um, doing that, but he's gifted with all the other duties to do with the uh, media. And uh, he has a great pastoral heart. Some of you have already received his love in those areas, and that's amazing. And, you know, on top of that, you know, when the demise of Inflame some five years ago now, my heart has always been for the kids in the secondary school. And little did I know that when... Uh, uh, Andy and Sue finished with in Lebanon, that Andy come back <laughs> and get stuck in. <laughs> and bless her, his heart. He's done just that. You know, when do you get the uh, school say, will you come and teach on praying in tongues? <laughs> you know, come on. The secondary school, the grammar school saying that was just amazing. Um, and Andy's been able to, you know, see that happen. Do you know God loves imperfect people? People? And we're all imperfect, aren't we? Anybody perfect? Is that okay, Father? Good. <laughs> you know, God has changed the character of the church. And speaking to Mick earlier this week, it was so lovely. He said, many things in the church have changed, but the DNA hasn't. And there's something about the love of Christ that is here in our fellowship that we are so blessed to have. When people come in, and I hope you as visitors when you come in today, not only were you welcomed, but you feel the love of Christ. Because we love Jesus. And he tells us to love others. And I pray that you will receive that love today. Well, 
Do we want a bigger building? Well, yes, we do. Do we need it? Well, probably not now, not yet. It'll come. Can we grow? Yes. How? Through small groups. That's our roots, isn't it? House church. And that's what we're looking at. Yes, and we can plant again. You know, we are thrilled that what Phil and Caroline have set in place down in Palm Springs. But we're going to do something again soon. You know, I've been prayer walking in Chessent, um, not every week, but as often as I can, because I feel that's where the Lord is leading us. But we shall see what doors open. So what are we about to chase? Well, you know, we're raising leaders, building good, strong house groups. Eventually, we get to that place where the, each one has its own vision. And we help each other to grow in our discipleship. We want to move in the power of the Holy Spirit, seeing healing and deliverance. God's power at work in his church. What are our expectations for the future? Where is faith at work in our life? Where is the power of God in our church? You know, the power of God is here right now. Right here in our ability to reach out in faith. In our ability to be faithful if we do not lose heart. And we do not grow weary in doing good. What stresses and concerns do you carry? Give these concerns to Jesus. And ask him to bring you the rest that you need. You see, Jesus wants to help carry your burdens. And only he can give you that true rest. It's interesting, isn't it? When we say take steps of faith, sounds so much more dramatic than saying, I am faithful. But being faithful takes time to grow because it's a fruit of the Spirit. And I want to say to you today, do not grow weary in doing good. Let's stay faithful. Let's stay faithful. I want to come back to that in just a moment, but just to say something about fasting. Uh, every year, I, I was looking back, and I think it's over 10 years we've been doing this Daniel Fast now. But two books that I still recommend, Jensen ba Franklin, The uh, Fasting, really good read. And then why uh, Mahesh Chavda, um, The Hidden Power of Prayer and Fasting, very good books to read. And there's some great ones about, Derek Prince has also got a good one. Um, there's plenty to look at for that. But we're about to start 21 days of fasting and praying. And you may think, why? <laughs> well, let me ask you that, why? Are there things in your own life that you want to see breakthrough for? See, Matthew, uh, sorry, Isaiah 58 says, is this not the fast that I've chosen to break the strongholds of wickedness? And maybe there are things in your life, maybe even family members, that you need to pray for. Maybe there are those that are, try to control or manipulate you in some way, and you know it. But this is an opportunity for you to use the fast time to pray, to see those things broken down, and to see God break through in your life. The trouble is with fasting, because I, I, I literally haven't prepared. I brought the paper and thought, well, I can say something. But, you know, let me say to you, when you fast... What you're doing is going without in order to 
desire God's approval and his blessing and see him move in your life. But if it doesn't mean anything to you, it won't mean anything to God. All right? There has to be a sacrifice in it. Now, there are three types of fast. There's the absolute fast, which I don't recommend, um, which is going without food and water. And uh, there are examples of that in the Bible. But I recommend if you really felt God was calling you to do that, then you should have a word with your doctor and make sure that he's overseeing you in those scenarios. Then we have the normal fast, which is um, basically having liquids um, and you know, agreeing a certain sense of time. You know, the oh, I don't need to go to references on this, do I? Um, if you want references and you want some more detail, by all means, um, have a word with me. I think last year you would find there's some teaching on the YouTube channel where, which you can follow up as well. But we are doing a partial fast, and I can only say that what uh, Liz and I do is that uh, we don't have meat, um, sweets, um, the luxury foods, as it were. And we have vegetable soup each night, and we eat it very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> Take your time. It feels so much bigger. All right. um, but the thing is, I, I spoke to someone only this week, and they said, well, when I fast, um, you know, I'll, I'll sit and watch the TV. And I go, well, that's a silly thing to do. If you watch the TV, the adverts <laughs> are coming out with the food and everything, aren't they? So... I said, and that's not what it's about. It's when you fast, you pray. The Bible doesn't say if you fast. It says when you fast and pray. And use that time wisely. You know, you're going to see breakthrough in your life. And we're going to see breakthrough in the church. We want to see the power of God in our church again, don't we? You know, I want us to be here so excited because what God is doing in his church. I just shared some of what's happened over the last few years. If that's the start of something new, what else has he got for us? Come on, release the prophetic here this morning. I want to see God touch our hearts. Um, anybody got any questions about fasting, actually? I'll throw that out there. <laughs> Have a go. Oh, that's good when people don't ask questions about fasting. That's good. Um, I think those are the key things. So each, um, each evening, um, there are a couple of evenings where we're going to do prayer walking on two Friday nights. Um, and then on a Saturday, as was mentioned this morning, we're going to have a... Uh, you may remember last year we did 24 hours in one um, day. Um, and we've done it for the last two years. But this year we've decided to do 12 hours. So it's in the daylight. So um, everybody gets a chance to fulfill that. And we'll get some more details about that. Um, and if you, as Pete said this morning, if you want to sign up, is it on the web for that? It is. Yeah, good. So you can do that. But, you know, be excited. God wants to break through in your life. The thing is, do you want to let him? Do you want to be encouraged to say, yeah, I'm going to go for it? Well, then it's going to take a little bit of sacrifice. And maybe I know some of you, like myself, are on certain medication and you can't take, uh, you can't, be off food quite in that same way. Well, there are plenty of other things that you can go without. You know, the mobile phone, the internet, television, you know, all these things. And uh, God loves to see us sacrifice to see breakthrough in our lives. And I believe that he'll do that. Um, <coughs> Pete, do you want to just uh, get up for a minute? <coughs> 
is good for faith. I want to come back, if I may, to the word for this year. Do not grow weary in doing good. We don't want to lose heart. And I, you, only you can answer that question. You know where you are with God. And maybe some of you here today have lost heart. And maybe some of you have thought, I'd, I don't know how to go on. You know, we can love Jesus and we can come to church, but we can hide. You can hide in rows. And we can say, have a cup of coffee. We can even pray for the people. And, but inside, we are fading away, drifting. If you're feeling that, like that today, please don't leave without getting someone to pray with you. In a moment, I'm going to ask for us all to stand, and I'm going to ask some people to come out here and join me to pray for you. I want to encourage you this morning. This is the beginning of a new year. We don't know what's ahead. <coughs> the beginning of last year, we would never have thought what's going to happen this year, which has happened around the world and is still happening. So I want to encourage you to come forward and let someone pray for you. Pray for your life. And if you want to share any worries or concerns, that's fine also. We'll pray for you in that area. But would you stand with me, please?